On this episode of the Vincast, I chat with Sir Ian Botham, legendary English test cricketer, wine lover, and now wine producer here in Australia. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Vincast. My name is James Scarsbrook, otherwise known as the Intrepid Wino, and welcome to 2019 for Australia's favourite wine podcast. Um, thank you so much for all the support in 2018. I really do appreciate uh, all of the kind words and anyone who takes the time to leave a rating and a review on any of the various podcast platforms. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm really thrilled to finally have a new episode to share uh, in this new year, 2019. I'm hoping to be able to record more episodes uh, on a slightly more regular basis than I have in the last year or so. Uh, as always, I apologize for not being able to get as many uh, new episodes out as soon as I can. Um, just, you know, life tends to get in the way. Uh, and with the 2019 vintage not far away, uh, I'm hoping to ramp up production a little bit of my own wines uh, under the Vino Intrepido range. So uh, please do stay tuned to hear more about that. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm excited to share this episode that I um, recorded a few months ago uh, with Sir Ian Botham, a name that should be familiar to cricket fans. Um, but uh, for those who weren't aware, Sir Ian is uh, also a great lover of wine, has been for many years. Uh, and I got invited to uh, the Dan Murphy Cellars on Chapel Street in Paran for the official launch here in Melbourne uh, of his new range of wines, uh, which he's made with uh, uh, Cellar Masters at Dorian Estate. And uh, and I took the opportunity uh, who uh, with um, Sir Ian to record an episode of the podcast to hear a little bit about his interest in wine, his his background, uh, and uh, what he uh, was um, putting together for for this new range of wines. So I do hope you enjoy the episode. Please do stick around to let Sir Ian and I know if you enjoyed it. But until then, I'll see you on the other side. Serene, firstly, uh, um, I'd just like to say it is an absolute privilege and an honour to, to have you. Uh, I really do appreciate you making a bit of time to sit down with me uh, and welcome on the Vincast. My pleasure. And what a, you've chosen a great location. Dan Murphy's in uh, Chapel Street and... The historic cellars here. It yeah. is. And, Wonderful. Uh, it is. It's stunning, isn't it? You never get bored walking around here. And what an amazing place to, to launch yeah. your, your, your new range of wines. But um, I start every episode of my podcast by asking my guests if they can remember the first interaction they had with wine that made them kind of stand up and take notice and, and possibly set them on a path towards a lifetime's uh, passion and love for wine. Well, um, I don't know how many people remember the, the late, great uh, John Arlott, uh, who was a career commentator in the UK, but he was also uh, the only man at that time who was uh, from England that was allowed to write in the French ma magazines and papers about their food and their wine. Oh, wow. So um, John and I, he was a fantastic cricket commentator. We got to know each other uh, very well and uh, to the extent where we actually bought a house on Alderney because uh, John had to go there for the sea air because he had emphysema towards the end. Yeah. And um, went down there. And uh, I used to spend uh, a hell of a lot of time with him uh, from nine o'clock in the morning through till 
probably five o'clock in the afternoon, uh, just in the cellar sorting stuff out because he was incapable of doing it at that stage or he wasn't, he tried to get down there, but he wasn't allowed to by the dock. Yeah. Uh, so I used to pick up the wines that came in from France for him to try yeah. and then put them in the cellar and then bring them back up what he wanted. There's a lovely wicker basket that held six bottles and uh, I got my list given to me by John mm-hmm. and I would go and source them in the cellar and bring mm-hmm. them up. And that's really how it all started. Um, first, John first, uh, I first had a glass of wine with John when I was 18 years of age and just breaking into uh, the Somerset side and then into the England side. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where it really started and it's just grown from there. The travelling to Australia uh, as much as I do in New Zealand, uh, getting to know people like Jeff Merrill um, down in Adelaide. Uh, nowadays, um, a lot of other guys, Ben Glover in New Zealand, um, where do you start? I won't even attempt to go through the list. Right, but, but it was John uh, who kind of um, first introduced you to, yeah, uh, you know, a more, more was, range of wine and, uh, you know, slightly high-quality wine. Yeah, well, he was – oh, oh, yeah, everything. Uh, you name it, across the board. But he was very much uh, old world, world, you know, French. Sure. Very old French. Sure. French and um, uh, I sort of um, – A very classic British palate. Then, not now. <laughs> totally then, different. Then, yeah. certainly yeah. then. Well, then, because f- the French probably had 90% of the market. Sure. So you didn't really have any choice. Um, Pretty much the only place of quality, um, apart from obviously the the Paris judgment, you know, show that the, the, the new world could yeah. um, produce some decent quality. Well, they don't like it when they win the blind tasting with sparkling wines, and but they still refuse to call it champagne. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, that's, that's them. Um, but but this, um, this is back in the Somerset days. No, no, no. I mean, they, they was, they've just won a cup recently now, sparkling wines in the UK. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah, smashing the French in their, in their blind tasting. Yeah, so yeah. Eight. Well, I mean, Chances Robinson's been kind of singing the praises of English bubbles, oh, uh, that, you know, uh, pretty recently. Gus Bourne, uh, one that I really like is Balfour, Richard, uh, Richard Balfour, and uh, he won the, uh, the Paris uh, Champagne blind tasting a few years ago. Yeah. And he makes a fantastic rosé. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we're still not allowed to call it champagne. But believe me, it's as good as uh, most champagnes you get out of uh, out of Champagne. Yeah. Rooms. Yeah. So. Um, but but um, when you when you uh, f- uh, first started uh, drinking wine with John, um, this is back in the Somerset days. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was so, from about eighteen nineteen onwards, and I would bump into John, and then the friendship grew and grew. Right. And uh, at the end of the day, when we to the extent where. I was one of the pallbearers uh, when we buried uh, John, mm. uh, which uh, I would have been, I'd have finished playing cricket by then. So that's how sure. long the relationship went on. Sure, sure, sure. And um, I, I, I just think um, we used to, <laughs> I used to try and get him to try uh, New World wines, and that, which I'd always bring back from Australia, Grange and uh, Merrill's Henley when he first started making that. Yeah. Um, you name it, uh, some of the whites, uh, uh, but um, he wouldn't have it. He was stubborn, and I was stubborn. <laughs> so we used to debate it over lunch, and uh, then we, we'd have lunch, and you'd have friends in, and they'd, they'd say, well, come, let's try these wines. You know, we try these wines, and um, he was very upset if I won any of the uh, blind tastings. But, uh, <clears throat> no, it was a great introduction, and um, and that's just grown. It's just got bigger and bigger. Sure. And it's like a bit like a snowball. Sure. Uh, starts rolling down the hill. It just gathers momentum and size. And uh, that's exactly what's happened with uh, the wine. I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed getting more and more involved. 
Yeah. Uh, which is to where I am now. Um, 12 months ago, I hadn't blended a bottle of wine in my life. Yeah. But now, um, now I'm, uh, they can't get me out. You know, <laughs> Dorian, when I go to the Barossa, the boys see me come in in the car and drop pulling out. I think they scatter because yeah. they know I'm, in the, I'm on my way to the tasting room. And it, it is fascinating how little can change a wine uh, so much. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, so uh, I always remember with our um, entry uh, Chardonnay, uh, the all-rounder, the taste is a Southeast Australian uh, white, and uh, they thought, oh, they'll sign off on this. And I said, no, 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 I don't like this. And I ended up putting 14% of uh, a Margaret River Chardonnay into it. and I Which made it a wine of Australia. <laughs> and it actually, <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Watson this year, Xanadu. Yeah, of but, course. But um, no, it, it uh, made such a difference. Yeah. And, and I think that's been appreciated by the people buying the entry level, which is selling. Uh, uh, everything's going so well. So it's exciting times. And, Absolutely. And uh, what a great business because it can go on forever. Yeah. So did you have a, a tipple of choice before you started to get interested in wine? I, I mean, you were playing in, in Somerset, obviously, yeah, no, an area yeah. that's famous for its cider. Cider, yeah, of course. I, I was just, as a kid, you brought up on the cider farms. We used to go and work on them in mm-hmm. the holidays. Uh, yeah, for about two and six an hour or something for uh, picking the apples and what have you. So, yeah, cider was very much in my blood mm. and uh, it was what I was brought up with and uh, it was very much uh, the drink of Somerset. Sure. Uh, well, not just Somerset, Devon, uh, Dorset. Yeah. It was all... Um, the West Country. Yeah, yeah. Not not quite so much Cornwall, no. but certainly Devon, Dorset, Somerset. Was, they're more, they're more the, into pasties down there, aren't they? Well, yeah, pasties down there. sorry. And actually, <laughs> they love making gin now, and they make some very good gin down really? there. Really? Yeah, so it's strange how the world, how it all develops. Is the quality of water good in, in Cornwall? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes a pretty big difference in, uh, in the quality of uh, well, and gin. The, and, and yeah, and like the great thing with gin is it's a 48-hour transition from going in to going into bottles. So. Yeah, you can make it all year round as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no seasons. Uh, and so um, in your sort of uh, cricketing career, early mm. days, um, you, w- did you enjoy a drink with the boys and or did any, any of your teammates have much interest in, w- interest in wine? Yeah, there's a couple of them actually, um, um, a couple of guys. Uh, we would uh, uh, go and have uh, dinner and uh, most of the guys would have a glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't really know what they were doing or what it was mm. and they'd very quickly have a... Uh, a beer mm. and, that, and I suppose that's a bit of a sporting thing I think a lot of sportsmen like a beer sure at the end of the day if, if you go and do a day's tasting I think the f- most people that are doing that the first thing we grab at the end of the day is, is a beer not to, not a glass of wine you know just to cleanse the palate so absolutely and so, I mean uh, you know there's obviously that uh, that classic saying that uh, there's an awful lot of good wine made with an awful lot of good beer <laughs> I, mem- I, mem- yeah. I remember when I, uh, I worked out in a winery in the Yarra Valley and uh, and you know the winemakers they had to keep it secret but everyone mm knew that they were brewing their own beer as well oh yeah well i don't think that stopped is it <laughs> no 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 no. of course not yeah. so generally when you'd be out with the boys if you're out for somewhere nice for dinner and, and you'd get kind of slid the uh the wine the wine list and say oh Ian, pick something for us yeah well particularly um when i got into the england side and we started touring more and more here uh you know um obviously new zealand mm-hmm. uh two great regions i have a house in spain spain makes some uh, amazing red wines rioca ribera del duera mm-hmm. prioratas um uh, so uh, vega sicilia if you can get your hands on it mm. uh, but um so this is the beauty of the wine world it, 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 there is so much of it out there to explore but yes when i was playing uh, cricket we'd um there's about four or five half a dozen people 
guys, sometimes a couple of the press boys who always like to go and have uh, a good meal in the evenings and drink some good wine. And in Australia in those days, it was... Uh, it wasn't very hard to find some really good wines. Yeah. Did you um, have much – had you been exposed to much wine, particularly outside of France, before oh, you yeah, started yeah. to tour internationally? Oh, yeah, Jeff Merrill. I yeah, Jeff okay. for 40 years. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. so that, by that point, for example, Australian wine had, just, had started to make some really big inroads in the UK market well, um, it, next to the French? Well, yeah, the, now uh, the French are bottom of the pile yeah. uh, because I think people worked out very, very quickly that the wine they were getting from France and being served to them, Van de Tab, Van de Pay, yeah. which is stuff that they wouldn't put on their own tables and yeah. sent it over at extortionate prices. Yeah. So what happened? Um, in, uh, along came New World Wines. Yeah. And uh, now I would think it's what, probably 85% of the market is New World Wines. Yeah. Um, so uh, it just shows you how much, and people now, so many people now go and pick up a bottle of wine on the way home yeah, exactly. from the supermarket and they go home and, uh, they open it. And that's one of the reasons I think screw top has become so popular because you, what's nothing worse than picking up a bottle of wine, going home, taking the cork out and it, the wine's damaged. Or, or even worse, you go for a picnic or something down to the beach and you, <laughs> you forget, forget to bring open. your bottle opener. <laughs> yeah. So you have to do it with a shoe or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. or bang it in, which was never really uh, no. a great, uh, not a great way to go. No. But uh, I've seen that done many times. But no, uh, so I think that what New World did was they made wine accessible mm. to more and more people. Mm. And uh, that is very much the way now. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that the Australian market is similar to uh, the English. This is the big spike time is from now till probably New Year. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and because everybody's, you know, Christmas, New yep. Year. Yep. And, um, well, in, in Melbourne, we have the Spring Racing Carnival, which, of course... Of course, you know, just gone. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Lots of bubbles. Um, yeah. I mean, the grand final... Maybe not that much of a spike in in wine sales, definitely beer, but uh, not so, not so yeah, much wine. But I yeah, spring know. racing kind of all yeah. that's sort of where it kicks off, and then yeah. you know, it just gets bigger as we approach the festive season. Yeah, and no, you just you know staying in the hotel I am now, you just see there's parties coming in for Christmas parties, you know, already, yep. Yep. and been going on for a while. So yeah, it's a big time. But uh, in England, probably I think uh, I, I think the sales it would be interesting to see the facts and i'm sure they're available if you go hunting them but what what was drunk 20 years ago 10 years ago and now mm. would be um I, I think would be a remarkable shift towards wine and new world wine yeah i mean certainly the excess of uh, australian wines for example like many new world wine producing countries um was similar in the Australian market as the UK market. You know, the fact that they were actually labelling their wines with the grape variety made a big difference because mm. people could kind of connect with Chardonnay, they could connect with Shiraz, yeah. um, whereas with the you know the French right, wines right. predominantly, they're not labelled with a, a, a variety. They're labelled with a region. So someone might have heard of Burgundy but have no idea that's made from Pinot Noir or Chardonnay. Yeah, yeah. So they, know. they yeah. don't necessarily know what they're buying. Yeah, but I, that's, I think that's a little bit of the French snobbery of wine. That was one of the things that I think the new world has taken away. Mm. Excuse me, as you say, you know, it's all quite clear what you're drinking. Yeah. So people can start to then make their mind up and they can say, do you know what, I, I do like that. I like that Chardonnay because it wasn't as oaky as the Chardonnay that we had before. Yeah. Uh, or you might like that Sauvignon Blanc because that Sauvignon Blanc isn't as... Uh, as um, Grassy, Dry, yeah, grassy, yeah. Uh, flinty, yeah, you know, yeah, it's a bit richer, yeah, yeah, and you know, a little bit different. 
Um, Cloudy Bay, for instance, make one now that's got quite a lot of wood in it. And that would be the Tococo? Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah, I wasn't going to advertise it because it's not our company. <laughs> <laughs> I used to work for the. You no, know, well, actually, I know Kevin Judd yeah. pretty well because Kevin Judd actually learned his trade under Jeff Merrill. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, yeah. a fantastic photographer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, so as you were kind of touring internationally, you uh, appreciated the opportunity to, you know, come to Melbourne or Sydney and go out, or did you? Were you kind of finding any opportunities to visit anyone? Oh, God, yeah. Did you have interest no, in that? No, no, that yeah, point? yeah, 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 yeah. Touring white vineyards since I ever came here for yeah, the first right. time, not to, and in New Zealand, and that's how you get to know people and start to start to understand the products a bit more. Uh-huh. So yeah, it was um, very much a part of the days. In fact, on the days off, when we used to play test matches, um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, every Sunday would be a lunch at a wine, a winery somewhere. Yeah, and uh, quite often both teams would be there. At that time, in that stage of my career, I was on the drinking side and the purchasing side. Now to go in and actually source and blend yeah. and put it on the market is a whole new game and one that I'm loving. So you mentioned Jeff Merrill um, was uh, a producer you were familiar with uh, a bit earlier on. Mm. Were there other producers or oh, other loads, regions loads loads. that kind of have you think might have um, influenced what you've been doing with uh, with your wines recently? Not so, no, not so much. Very difficult. I mean, what do I want to do with wines? I want I want to. Um, make them uh, so, you know, the days of when the Chardonnay, for instance, people would say not another Aussie Chardonnay because mm. it was so uh, oaked up mm. and rich you could stand a knife in it. Back in my Celador days, we called people who didn't like Chardonnay ABCs or anything but Chardonnay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, uh, yeah that, that's, um, that was very much the case in England as well. But then people started to tone it down and uh, the stuff that we've made, um, I think um, particularly in the series, I mentioned the one uh, where I added the um, the Margaret River Chardonnay into the entry level, but uh, the series is actually a, uh, two components from um, Western Australia, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a fantastic area. And then the other one I like is the Adelaide Hills, and the Surrey and the Top Range is one there from the Lane, Marty Edwards. Mm-hmm. So there's been many, many winemakers over the years that uh, I just listen. Mm. You know, I was very lucky to have, um, I'm very privileged to have lunch with uh, James Halliday yesterday out at Oak Ridge in uh, the Yarra. Yep. And uh, when you're there with James, you listen. You listen and you learn. Yes, which absolutely. Learn. Yes. Uh, so um, you, you, you talked about um, the opportunity uh, when, whilst you were touring internationally with, uh, with the cricket. You took the opportunity to, to taste extensively. What about post-cricket? Um, how did you kind of um, incorporate wine and, and travel into your, into your life? Well, my life didn't change. I was a commentator then for Sky Cricket around the world. Yeah. So I was doing the same tours that the England the players were, so this time I had more time off. Sure. So being a commentator gave me more time to access yep. the wineries and go and bang on the door. And, you know, New Zealand, you can go along the road and you'll, you'll go through a little town, a little winery there, go to the cellar door, bang, they're only too pleased to give you, you know, show you a glass of Pinot or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think it's a little, it was a bit of, I love it, trial and error. Go and find some you like, some you love, some you hate. Yeah. Has it been interesting kind of um, being someone who's, uh, you know, had wine um, an important part of all their adult life to see how um, wine industries have evolved and how producers have got better and new producers have come on board and regions that, you know, uh, in the past may not have been uh, as well known kind of get more attention? I think one of the things I have noticed uh, the most is that... um the uh, some of the the bigger conglomerates now um, 
wanting to produce more and more wine, and I'm seeing that quite a lot of um, quite a lot of uh, winemakers, like Kevin Judd's a prime example, who walked away from Cloudy Bay and set up Greywack mm-hmm. because uh, he didn't want to make or uh, to um, in any way have to accommodate making 60 million bottles rather than 60,000 or whatever. Yeah. So um, there are a few people that have done that. So, but yeah, I think, but in general, the evolution of wine has been fantastic. Uh, the wines have improved. Uh, the quality is much better, uh, high quality. And also the wines are going uh, all around the world now. Mm. And that's the thing, you know, Chilean wines, Argentinian wines, Spanish wines. They're, they're accessible in most places now. And, and I think that makes it... Um, uh, more competitive, uh, but also I think uh, varietals that people would never normally see, uh, Temperilla, uh, Malbec, mm-hmm. uh, now seeing in in uh, parts of, uh, you know, that's quite often seen in Australian wine shops. And that's because I think the world of wine is is, ex- is expanding. And uh, it's uh, that's the beauty of it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I know that... Um Many of my former guests on the podcast who are winemakers um, have had the opportunity to go and work vintages in, in Europe or in oh. you know North America, and, and so they're getting exposed to things that they might not otherwise have here in Australia, and so they're getting ideas and, and trialling new varieties or new winemaking techniques. Well, uh, just go to India, Grosvenor, which is a, a very smart uh, vineyard, and it's, uh, I think, a Kiwi and an Aussie mm. that are making the wines there. Mm. Uh, of course they're expanding the the new world wine South Africa has learned from has gone to the new younger winemakers and the new younger winemaker styles Um, they're not trying to make um, Bordeaux anymore in South Africa they're actually using their fruits and making their own wines well I I, I can imagine um, you know with the the end of apartheid and and opening the borders and obviously because of lots of um, embargoes on on South African products so anything oh that's long gone yeah but but since that time you know I'm sure that the South African wine industry has changed a lot well as I'm saying because you've brought new young players in yeah and, and they're coming from new world wineries yeah uh, into uh, a wine market that was probably very closed and very shut down for many, many years. But now, uh, a lot of South African wines out there, and some of it's very good. Yeah. Um, Waterford, um, uh, some of the stuff that comes out of there is excellent. Uh, you've, you've got a lot of wineries that are, that are expanding. Mm. Um, People are starting to learn a little bit more about regionality in places like South Africa, which is exciting. Yeah, they've also learned that there's more than pinotage in red. So that's quite important. <laughs> Uh, what was what have been some of the kind of more epiphanous experiences you've had um, involved in in your wine um, consuming and wine travels? Um, really amazing winery visits or vineyard visits or particular dinners or old uh, old wines you might have tasted. Oh, I've tasted wines uh, that uh, um, fortified wines that go back to seventeen hundred and something. I've tasted wines. I've been lucky enough to taste wines from. Various, some of the great vintages around the world. Yep. Um, uh, I've got some pretty serious stuff hidden away in my cellar, uh, which I'll, um, hopefully I will uh, manage to hang on to as long as my children and grandchildren don't go down there one night and raid it. But um, There are many horror stories of that sort of thing. Yeah, I know, don't worry. Yeah, I've witnessed it. But um, no, I've seen, uh, been lucky enough to see wines uh, from all around the world and... Um, and vineyards, uh, the, one of the smallest commercial vineyards in the world in Martinborough, uh, which is called Cabbage Tree, 
David and his wife run that. Uh, I think it's three acres. So, you know, th- th- there's, all, there's so much out there to explore. Mm. How do you even approach it these days? You know, with, with so much, of course, you know, quality has uh, improved across the board around the world. Um, how, how does one approach it at this point? You know, like, particularly being based in uh, the UK much of the year um, where you get a lot of different wines. How, where, how, do you, how do you purchase your wines these days? I have to purchase too much of them. My wines are just over there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, so why would I want? I don't go to. Of course, I have wines. I, I'm, I'm not that single minded. But um, no, I, I always have wines. We, we, we have three tiers. So you've got the entry level, you've got the middle tier, and you've got the top tier. Mm-hmm. So I like to have it uh, there. I like to see what other people think. Mm-hmm. But of course, no, I've got Grange going back to 1981, um, Magnum, uh, 1978. Uh, I've got um, Wolf Blast going back, uh, Black Label, which I think won the Jimmy Watson many years ago. I've got some of that. Back, uh, back when he actually made the wine? Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, it's interesting. I don't think people realize that mainly fortified wine was made in Australia till well into the, you know, maybe I think probably. Late 70s? No, I think they still make it. But no, no, it's the 50s when it started to change mm. over here. Um, but um, fortified wine was very much what was made uh, in the early days. And I, I, I should have actually asked James this yesterday, but I would think that probably the German influence came in then with the winemaking. And it's fascinating stuff, you know, Henschke, you know, there's uh, a lot of them out there. Uh, yeah. So it's in- interesting because what's happening now, winemakers are coming to different countries, they're crossing borders, and they're using different grapes to make great wine. Yeah. Well, certainly um, in the in the Barossa, uh, there was a very very heavily in, uh, German influence, mm-hmm. whereas uh, in the Yarra Valley, for example, was Swiss, mm-hmm. the Puri family with uh, with Yarenberg, for example, mm-hmm. um, and a bloke called James Halliday in the Yarra, of He's, course, yeah. of course, um, and uh, and I guess that that was kind of the interesting thing about the evolution of the Australian wine industry um, as they um, were moving um, more towards dry table wines. They were seeking out cooler climates, like uh, like the Yarra Valley, rather than exactly. seeking out war- warmer regions. Yeah. And the Barossa, it still is and has for a long time been mm. a, an ideal location to grow grapes for fortified wines. Uh, you know, as as it's the Rutherglen region, for example. But uh, but that that's been the the, the growth in the but Australian that, industry. But that's why I think that uh, Shiraz has always thrived in the Barossa because of the in- more heat mm. the more intense heat the more you stress the grapes they go a little bit like a prune but you get fruit juice out of it you get the juice you want you get this it's much more intense and the Mendoza in Chile they've actually started doing that with a wine called Purple Rain which they only make about 200 cases a year but that but this plateau is stre- it's, the grapes are stressed to a, a, a beyond um, they're hardly if ever watered uh, and they're exposed to hot, hot sun. So, yeah, uh, there was a winery, people are learning all the time. There was a winery I visited in Mendoza called Achavalfera. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. No, and, I don't and know. They, they really, really stress. They mm. drop a lot of fruit and mm. they take away all the canopy mm. and they're trying to get those you know grapes really, really super ripe. Well, it's, it's interesting what's going on. As I say, the, uh, Argentina is one of my next protocols. I, I want to go and explore there. There's lots of wineries there that uh, no one knows outside Argentina. Mm. Uh, so I'm going to go and have a look at the Malbecs there and see what other uh, what other wines they're producing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when did you get the kind of the the bug to to the, the the idea to maybe get involved with making a bit of wine yourself? 
Oh, a while back. Now I've always wanted to do it. Yeah. But uh, the opportunity came with Paul, my business partner. We'd worked together for three years on a, another project here with another winery. And then we decided, uh, he just said, you know, you love wine so much. Why don't you start making some? Yeah. And uh, that's how it started. And uh, this is where we are now. <laughs> uh, did you entertain thoughts about, um, you know, making wine anywhere else? Or did you know that you wanted to make some wine in Australia? Oh, no, no. As I'm saying to you, I'm going to go to Argentina. I'm oh, going cool. to go to, uh, to uh, Spain. I'm not going there to look. I'm going there to make wines. Yeah, cool. But yeah. but the Australian stuff was the, this is the, fir the first That's ones? That's the first, first artists come here because this is where I have most knowledge. Yeah, of course. So, so how, how did you approach it to start off with? Well, you go and you buy lots of, you go and taste <laughs> wines, you buy the wine and then you blend it. Yeah. And then you blend the wine. Well, we blend it and then you buy the, uh, the, the, the tank full to ship it back to the UK if you right. do that. Yeah. And, um, what I'd do is you taste it, uh, say Dorian, for instance, in the Barossa Valley, taste the wines. Or when I'm in Gibston Valley, Mount Edward, I went there and tasted the wines. We had 400 Pinots to taste that day. So you pick out what you want and then you play around with it. And when you've got it to where you want it, which mm -hmm. is the important thing, because mm -hmm. that's the one thing I say about the wines, well, then uh, you get it made. Yeah, right. You buy the wine. Yeah. Master Blender. So um, I have to admit, I haven't tasted the wines yet. I'm looking forward to tasting them very shortly. Um, but can you kind of run us through the, the, the range and, and I think I did. the, the you, sourcing? But I can do it again and again and again. The, as I say, we start off with the entry-level Chardonnay. I was saying to you, it's a southeastern uh, wine with uh, about 14% this, of this Margaret River. The all-rounder? That's the all-rounder. Yeah. Then you go, if you go through the Chardonnays, then you go to the series, which is 52 uh, components in Western Australia. Okay. One on the coast, one more central. Okay. And uh, As in like Great Southern or um, for, like closer to Perth? No, no. Uh, down, uh, I think one's called Cisco. Okay. And the other one's Alexander, I think, or something, two small vineyards. Okay. And then you go to the top of the range, which was... Um, uh, made at the lane by Marty Edwards, where we we found the components, we put the wine together, and then I asked him if he'd put it into uh, New Oak for six weeks, which he did, mm -hmm. and that made all the difference. It gave it some body. The Reds, uh, again, um, entry level, uh, South South Australia, Eastern Australia, uh, wine that I then added uh, Cabernet, which I then added a uh, ten uh, percent or, so, or slightly more of Coonawarra uh, Cabernet into it, which again gives it uh, body and uh, more substance than the, uh, than the, um, the Cabernet uh, in the uh, series is, again, uh, a couple of components from um, Coonawarra. And the top one is Jeff Merrill's nine, uh, 2014, which is the one wine that I didn't mess around with. Mm. I just it was just one of the best wines I've tasted so you'll get a chance to try that yeah I'm looking forward to that and uh, the Shiraz is much again the same uh, case of um, uh, adding uh, playing around with some uh, putting some Barossa into a Southeast Australian again uh, at the entry level and then there was a couple of components that went into the series uh, again from the Barossa and then the top tier um is a uh, hundred year old vines from Barossa. Hmm. Sounds amazing. I mean, yeah, I mean, Barossa, as far as old vines, is uh, probably one of the best places in the world. Uh, so you'll have to come and try. Yes.
Absolutely. Um, and the wines will be available in Australia. Yes. Uh, uh, I understand through... Cellar Master Online. Yep. Obviously, Dan Murphy's where we are now. Yep. Woolworths, Langton's. Uh, so uh, hopefully eventually, yep. if we get a chance. But certainly the uh, here, uh, Cellar Master Online and, um, and Langton's and Woolworths. And the wines have been launched in the UK already? Already launched and, uh, and back in... Uh, August time, I think it was, July, August. And I understand they're going to be available through Berry Brothers and Rudd? That's the top level. Yep. And the other ones are through, I'm embargoed to say anything because uh, the two supermarkets that are very good supermarkets, but they want to do their own launch in January. So I'm, uh, I can't tell you the answer. Okay. Well, they will be available. And uh, any other markets at this stage? 11 countries we're in now. Fantastic. And so um, you've been on... Uh, the, the media trail, as it were, promoting, launching, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. I'm just, and actually today is the last day of um, actually doing media. Um, uh, we're going to do a, a more tasting, more blending over the next uh, couple of weeks before I have to head home. Yeah. Uh, so now we're doing the finishing touches really for next year's wines. Yeah. Being a, a, a renowned um, international test cricketer uh, and then a commentator, of course, you'd be no stranger to media, but... Uh, do you find it difficult when um, people kind of only want to talk to you about certain topics and not what you maybe want to talk about? Well, they don't talk if they don't want to, if they don't want to talk about wine, yeah. which is what I stopped playing cricket thirty years ago. Yeah. So that's you know that's history. I like to talk about the wines and what I'm learning. New, it's a new life after cricket. Yeah, when when um, media outlets who potentially don't have any connection to wine or um, do you know the wine the media you, like, if you if you want to pull my part I'll show you the response around the world yeah to the wines yeah yeah there are we've had amazing uh, coverage uh, really some really nice stuff said very flattering and uh, from my point of view as good as scoring a hundred so um, it, it gives me a real buzz yeah and and of course you you know you you are heavily involved with it you know it's not like uh you're just putting your name on this no, you, no, no, this, no, you, no. you don't, have don't, you don't have go down that celebrity wine route no 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 no, no. no. Absolutely that's not. um that really does annoy me but, yeah uh, I can imagine. No, no, this is as i'll say once more every wine there i would put on my own table mm. i blended sourced and uh signed off on mm. you're a lover of uh of of good food you, do you do of much course. cooking at home yeah, yeah. I don't I barbecue meat. I've got, <laughs> I've got uh, a wife and a uh, daughter who are excellent uh, cooks, two daughters. So um, I let them do that and I'll uh, add the wines. Yeah, absolutely. Um, possibly uh, some of my listeners might not be aware of your uh, philanthropic um, um, past. Um, you know, you've been involved with some uh, charity stuff as far as um, you did, I think did, did a lot of walks. Australia walking. will know about that because we'd finished the walks. Number 17 was in Australia only a few months ago. Wow. And that was for type 1 diabetes uh, in Australia. So we did that walk, and uh, that was walk number 17 and my final one. Uh, yes, but I've been doing it since the mid '80s. That's not why you're. That's not why you're on crutches today, is it? Uh, possibly, <laughs> possibly. But uh, yeah, it's a spinal uh, operations. But uh, uh, I've got about three more months of rehab before I get my uh, ticket to go and start playing golf and fishing again. So. Ah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like golf and wine go well together. And one of the, my favourite wine regions in Australia is the Mornington Peninsula. That's two of my favourite. Yeah, I was things. down there. Yes, uh, two days ago. Three Fantastic. And uh, are, you, are you a lover of the, some of the producers down there? Absolutely. I think uh, they've influenced a lot of white wines in particular and Pinots. There you can go to 
Tasmania, Toll Puddle, fantastic wine. Uh, you've got uh, Paringa, 10 Minutes by Tractor, uh, Ocean 8 down in uh, the peninsula, which are all fantastic winemaking zones and regions. Um, yeah, um, Margaret River. Um, well, then you've got everything you normally have. Barossa, McLaren Vale, Coonawarra, uh, Yarra. Mm. So, yeah, that's... It's good fun. Uh, well, Ian, um, it has been really fascinating um, chatting Thank with you. you. I've really um, uh, enjoyed um, hearing about um, your kind of exposure to wine in the early days, and uh, and I'm very excited to taste the wines uh, this afternoon and uh, and find out, you know, what uh, what you've been doing in the bottle, as it were. Well, it's been good speaking to you. Now it's time to go and taste some wine. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for joining us on another episode of The Vincast. I have been James Scaresbrook, otherwise known as The Intrepid Wino, and you can follow me on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm at Intrepid Wino, uh, and the podcast can be found on Twitter at The Vincast. Please do follow uh, and reach out to me on the, the social media platforms. Uh, you can find my YouTube page. Uh, it's, it's Intrepid Wino, one word. Uh, lots of different videos there. Uh, I'm going to be posting uh, my tasting notes for the Botham series wines on my blog, which is intrepidwino.com. Lots of different information there. Uh, you can find information about uh, my writing, my travels in the past. Uh, and uh, it's a great, another great way to get in contact with me and provide some feedback. Uh, I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast on whichever uh, platform you may choose. There's lots of different options, iTunes, Player FM, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Spotify as well. Uh, and uh, many of those platforms allow you to leave a rating and a review. It really does make a huge difference when people leave a rating and review um, because it, it just opens up the podcast to more wine lovers uh, like yourself who may not be aware that there is a, uh, a podcast about wine. Uh, like I said at the beginning, I'm really excited to be in 2019 uh, and hopefully recording some new episodes of the podcast very soon. But until next time, bye. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. EarbudsNetwork.com